I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey, everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm okay. I'm coming live from the studio apartment. <laughs> to use Carl Cabana's old uh, intro. And join, I got excited hands when I did the intro and I nearly punched the headphones out of my head. <laughs> so, yeah, this is our. Our new setup uh, for the moment, uh, for the time being, really, because we're sort of stuck in this self-quarantine. We are no longer coming into the office to see each other. So this is kind of the quality you're going to expect for uh, the next few weeks. I hope people don't just like stop listening because it's you know not the same sort of studio levels of quality that we usually have. Although yesterday's AEW review certainly was not that. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for how bad that all sounded. Uh, it was. I was looking at the... I was looking at the waveforms yesterday when I was because I edited it about eight o'clock in the evening when I got back from dropping you off at your um, flat. And I, I was, you. <laughs> you're very welcome. And it just made me sad because I was like, oh, God, this is our last studio record. And I <laughs> that's how we went out. out. <laughs> and there was a comment left on yesterday's video that it was like, it's audio quality befitting of 700,000 subscribers. And I was like, oh, that one hurts. That That's a comment mm-hmm. that hurts. Um, so yeah, apologies for that. But you know, I'm hoping that people get on board with this new format. Well, not this new format, this sort of like different sounding style. Well, I am going to actually buy a, an, an even better microphone. There's a microphone I just had lying around the uh, bedroom, actually. Uh, but I, I'm going to try and get a little mixing desk. So yeah. Maybe the, the audio will improve, but strapping guys and gals and yeah, everyone yeah. in between, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride. But you know what's not changing? Ollie Davis getting a boner over financials because that's what this podcast episode is about. We're going to be talking about how much uh, money WWE could possibly lose over WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be talking about them getting sued from multiple angles. And then Showing. we're going to your... <laughs> have all of your mailbag questions. Here is the show.
let's get in to some numbers chat. I feel like this is the theme of the Friday episode. It's well, it always a bit has, of, you know, yeah, always a bit of numbers. <laughs> it certainly has been for the last little while because there's been so much like money chat. We had the quarterly report from WWE, one of your favorite weeks of the, uh, of the whole year, and you get them four times a year as well. Uh, but now with all of this uh, Steve Carino stuff, there is, you know, questions over whether WrestleMania will happen. And now that it is going to happen, but possibly over multiple days in multiple locations, how much money they're actually going to lose on this venture. Yeah, so this report comes from WrestleNomics. And while there will be savings, sure, because you're not going to put on that big elaborate stage, you're not going to have to get loads of crew, you know, hundreds. It's an, an amazing logistical feat to put on something as grandiose as WrestleMania. But you, I imagine a lot of that set was already built and paid for. It's not like oh, they're yeah. waiting until the week of the show and they go, we better knock together this ridiculously large screen or yeah. Battleship. What was the original plan for WrestleMania 36? I believe there was going to be a giant pirate ship on the set, you know, as part of the set, kind of like how the, they had the, the theme park rides or the big roller coaster for Mania 33. Coronavirus has taken that from us. The you visual words now. Oh no, the pirate ship. Whose whose entrance is gonna is gonna factor into that? Well, what I was Pyro think... gonna shoot from cannons on the oh, side? Of course, it was absolutely. Yeah, it definitely would have been. And I really think that Becky's big truck that she had on Monday was definitely going to be part of her big mania entrance. That's since been confirmed, actually. Oh, is it really? Is, yeah, yeah. I can't remember who reports that. But imagine, I don't know whose entrance they would have done it for. I bet Moment. Triple H's, because he would have still... Yeah, okay, let's say it was the big dogs. He comes out, he wins, of course. He's Blue Universal Champion on your bike, Goldberg, because <laughs> I'm on my big pirate ship. And you get the big pyro celebration. And then... <laughs> then they raise the yeah. flag. And the flag... <laughs> It's got a picture of a big dog on it. Just a fist <laughs> smashing through the pirate flag. Uh, but yeah, I, we're not going to get any of that. I'm going to I'm going to up the ante slightly. I think he would have done his big, you know, Superman pose where he punches into the ground, but would have been onto one of those weighted things like you get at carnivals where you punch it down and that raises the flag up almost like Super Mario Brothers. I love it. Yeah, but unfortunately, we're not going to see any of that. We're going to see a much lower scale version of that, but a cheaper version, but not cheap enough because WrestleNomics is report. They're a fantastic um, sort of, they're a Twitter account mainly. They really dive in deep to the financials. And they said that the live gate, so the 70,000 people who would have gone to the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay, that would have drawn $15 million. Oh, that's a lot of that's a lot of millions. Let's add the uh, four million of LiveGate for like Raw, SmackDown, you know NXT, the stuff around WrestleMania. Three million is expected in revenue merch, and yeah, it's that all that together is about twenty-two million that WWE and, are losing on this and network subs because you've got to imagine that with the show not being the big grand spectacle that it is, that some people just might not be interested. You know, we've had comments left on our videos and we've had people get in touch with us on social media channels that have said, if it's not going to be the big grand WrestleMania, they're not going to bother watching because they can't get into the sort of no fans 
aspect of it. It's fascinating. And David Starr was telling me this the other day. <laughs> how we're friends with wrestlers now. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating how this has become the great leveler. Like WWE, they've always been half production, really. You know, the, the wrestling isn't that great when mm -hmm. you look at the grand scheme of things. The promos are goddamn awful, but they've got that big arena feel. They've got the big Titantron. When you think wrestling, a lot of people think the sports entertainment of WWE. But now that you can't have the fans and that level of production, it has leveled all of these promotions out where I would argue our No Fans Monday was better as a broadcast than what WWE put out. Hey man, you know, I thought it was maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit better than AEW, but like just ever so slightly because, you know, we had Callum versus David Starr. You mentioned that your best friend, David Starr. But well, well, sorry, I shouldn't have brought him up in front of you. <laughs> How is yes. the neck? It, it, it is, it's better. Um, but I, I thought, you know, the doctor's advice was to try and take the neck brace off a little bit. I think what he said was you're sort of, you're over-regging the pudding. And mm. I was like, well, you know, I disagree. My medical background says that I probably should keep it on a little bit more. But they said, you know what, just take it off for a couple of days. And uh, yeah, they were right, actually. It is uh, it is much better now. It's, it's, it's going to go good. safety first. Yeah, well, um, that's what I thought. But it's not just WrestleMania um, and the amount of money that you're going to lose there. Coronavirus has, of course, just ravaged the economy uh, and, and sort of facilitated a supercharged economic crash that we're living mm -hmm. through right now. And to be frank, we're four years overdue for an economic crash um, because they, they roughly happen every eight years. And the last one was in 2008. And the way the global economy got around it is they artificially pumped in money to stop that happening again. A good idea. But there was a school of thought that said, ah, but when something does go wrong, it's really going to go wrong because you've put up so much. The bubble has become so big. And that's exactly what happened. Coronavirus was like this needle that stabbed right into the heart of that bubble. Mm. And it's just it's awful that's happened to everything. Of course, we're going to put out the proviso. We are only talking about this within the confines of wrestling. We know there's a lot more serious stuff. But oh, yeah. for wrestling, the stock is down 25% year to date. And if you count it for just this year, it's down 63% Ooh. in the past year. So that that is it's the WWE stock is the lowest it's been in over 2 years, which is January 2018. And that was before the Fox deal, all of that stuff that they announced. You know, that's that's bad times. Yeah. And the Saudi deal, right? Because the Saudi deal started in 2018. Mm. So like that is there's a lot of money that's come into this company quite recently. And actually, Meltzer was talking about this in the this week's Observer. He was talking about, I mean, I'll give you the direct quote here. There was talk last week of delaying WrestleMania until July or June. And while that may be earlier than everything is contained, there is no guarantee that date would be viable. Delaying the show until you have a large gathering seemed like the obvious solution. At this point, you really have to question Vince McMahon with the idea of giving up revenue of 20 million or more and allowing fans to see the biggest events of the year live. Many have, uh, many have. We're told that there's no, sorry, we're told there is so much uncertainty and the fact that with, uh, with no sure timetable, he made the call that he did. It was a shocking call because it removes the fan and the spectacle from the show, which is really what WrestleMania is all about. Yeah, so people tune in. People don't really, I mean, they do. They obviously do tune in for the matches. But a huge part of WrestleMania is 
how how many fake people are they going to announce in the attendance? Well, they'll still do that this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Record-breaking crowds. Well, they, all, uh, they count the crew and wrestlers. So, you know, they can count those people. There will be at least 50. Just spread across multiple locations. <laughs> but the, the entrances, all the pomp and circumstance. So, I mean, we haven't really spoken about this. You're in Vince's position. Mm-hmm. Would you? What do you do with WrestleMania? It's Well, wrestling is a very... It's it's a weird bubble, isn't it? Because like you, we've talked about sort of you know other sports, actual sports like football and and the XFL and and the NFL and all these sorts of sports, they can just stop their games. You know, them stopping their games isn't actually going to hurt anything. They can just delay them until another time. But wrestling, you're telling stories, and your stories are they have an end date, and what WWE would then have to do is try and artificially extend that end date. And I am almost with Vince on this one. In fact, I am with Vince on this one. I think you stay the course. What AEW showed on Wednesday's show is that just moving ahead as you originally planned can still make for a great show. They didn't just put on archive stuff. They didn't just show double or nothing in like sort of clip format. They had the debuts of Brody Lee. They had Broken Hardy show up. They continued their build to Blood and Guts, which in theory is next week. So yeah, I think I probably would have continued. I would have just done the same shows that I was always planning on doing, but just with no fans in the arena. Yeah, you tweak done. you tweak it a bit, don't you? you yeah. You've got to freshen up the style of wrestling. So it's a style that works more with no fans. So very tight, very slick, uh hard hitting style. So just, you know, let Daniel Bryan and Cesaro just carry on wrestling. Um but the uh, and and I do agree with you. You need to pay off these storylines because Goldberg is not a long term champion. No, <laughs> there's a lot of things that you know. John Cena's not going to be around when movie production shoots start up again. Nope. So you do need to get these matches out of the way, as it were. My question, maybe I should have phrased it more clearly, is: Do you do that at WrestleMania, or do you just put those matches okay. on your Raw? on your SmackDown, because WrestleMania is a huge brand name. So, yeah, okay. That, that, that's the big thing. Like, WrestleMania, when it happens, it could happen in June. It could happen in September. I don't think people are going to care because it's WrestleMania that's the draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. In that sense, I do. Yeah, I will agree with you on that one because I kind of talked about this in the news episode I did the other day. I think it was on Wednesday, where I was talking about how the WrestleMania card is, you know, was supposed to be 16 matches and it's now been shortened to eight matches, potentially nine if you do have that Kabuki Warriors uh, title defense. But I would just do those matches on Raw and SmackDown. You do, you continue Braun and Sammy, but you do that on a SmackDown show and you kind of build these sort of like, you know, you're, there's a SmackDown in three weeks is going to have this big main event and it's going to be Braun finally getting his hands on Sami Zayn for the IC title. And you do stuff for the Raw and SmackDown tag titles and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, you do the same thing with your Goldberg Reigns feud, which would do great, like great ratings that match would do. Same for Cena Fiend. Uh, same for Brock and Drew. And then, yeah, when you know the situation has changed and we are all allowed to go back out into public arenas, you then do WrestleMania. You just do it in... I mean, it's, it's weird because you don't want to say you do it in place of SummerSlam, but maybe you do it in place of SummerSlam. Yeah, I think of the two, WrestleMania's got far more uh, name recognition than SummerFest. I can't even remember what it's called most of the time. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 that's that's what I think. And I guess if people are saying, well, you don't know if there's going to be a Raw or SmackDown in a couple of weeks, that's what they're planning on doing. They're planning on taping 
all of Raw and SmackDown next week, over the next, and WrestleMania potentially. So just do all that, but don't put it on WrestleMania. Yeah, we're going to um, find out like WrestleMania spoilers like ahead of time. If people mm-hmm. leak it out, we're going to find out that John Cena does beat The Fiend. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> You'd expect that, you know, when there's only, oh, man, I bet if there's only eight people involved in that match, it's still going to leak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Te- tele, what is it? Telegram? Telegram, Telegram, Yeah. <laughs> Um, So that's not the only uh, financial hit that's happening to WWE at the moment. We've had the the WrestleMania, all that live gate being taken away from them. There's the financial crash that's ongoing that's affecting the share price amongst Vince McMahon's direct actions of getting rid of George Barrios and Michelle Wilson a few months ago. But But now... before we do that, we should point out that WWE are cash rich. Like that's mm. the other thing that Meltzer wrote about in the Observer is that most companies are struggling on the budgets that they've got. We've seen, you know, the companies that are about to cancel shows like WrestleCon said that this could effectively bankrupt them, not being able to put on WrestleCon this year. Um, but Meltzer writes, WWE is cash rich with 500 million in cash on hand. So of all the combat sport companies, they are in the best shape. So I don't like some people might. Uh, read what we're saying wrongly where we're not saying that wwe is in trouble here because they're going to lose you know 20 million they are fine like their Mm -hmm. stock price is low but as a company they are fine yeah i i find it really interesting the 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 wording is they're 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 the most cash rich of all the combat sports companies that includes ufc WWE are more cash rich than UFC. And I think here's my prediction. It's not, it's quite an obvious one. A lot of indie promotions are going to get bought by WWE to either remove them from the playing field, get their footage libraries, just the IP in general. Maybe that becomes part of the network. It's a super indie service. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys are going to get signed to deals as well. A lot of wrestlers. Some people may just have to take those deals. You know, there's people that might have previously turned down NXT UK deals, you know, talking about the British scene, might reconsider them down the line because mm. it's it's guaranteed income. But yeah, we've all that stuff's going on. And on another front, WWE are being sued by like three different people. <laughs> yeah. This is something that's been bubbing away for a few weeks. Um, I keep trying to write it up in my news, but a billion other things happen that are more pressing. Yeah. Uh, but... There are two different lawsuits at the moment at WWE, specifically over how they they allege WWE has essentially lied to their investors. Yeah, and there were some people that the I think well, there was one group that was suing them because like Wilson and Barrios sold a lot of their stocks, and a lot of other like Triple H and Stephanie sold a lot of their stocks prior to Barrios and Wilson going, so they knew that there was going to be a drop once those two left so they almost like cashed in on stocks ahead of the game and then there are other people who have been investing who were not aware of what the game was going to be who were then left out of pocket essentially um so there's being suing over that there was another group that's suing them over the xfl and whether or not vince selling his stock to get money so we can build the xfl which is you know part owned by wwe is within the best interests of the investors that have got money within WWE. That's kind of like, you know, they consider to be their future. Yeah. Um, That's the important wording there. It's the best interests of WWE. Vince McMahon, sure, does work for, it it feels like he works for Vince McMahon. And technically he does because he has the majority of the shares. But really, 
he works for the shareholders. And mm -hmm. that includes all the people who, who have, you know, however many. So if you do something that's not in the best interests of those shareholders, and I would argue selling off a load of your stock when you think something's going to happen, maybe, allegedly, and also starting a new venture that's going to massively impact the time you can put into your current company, that's that, you know, that is significant. And there is an argument there. I don't know if it's one that will hold up against WWE's lawyers, mm. but it, it's not it's not like the concussion lawsuit, which was a bit yeah. of a cash grab. And, and the third one, which does seem to be a bit all over the place. Yeah, this is 100 percent. So they're also being sued by a patent company over the WWE network. But uh, David Bixenspan uh, at Forbes, he wrote up a brilliant article about this, essentially calling it a pointless endeavor in so many words, because this group um essentially this group are claiming that because WWE Network's a streaming service that infringes on their patents because they claim they invented the patent of the streaming service when actually their patent started in 2011 and there were streaming services that predated uh, mm. essentially what that is what their claim is just like well that's a streaming service so we're suing you because you ripped off our idea even though so it apparently what they call they call patent trolls uh, an electronic frontier foundation describes that as a patent troll uses patents as legal weapons instead of actually creating new products or coming up with new ideas yeah so i don't i don't know what's going on there is that just uh that'll get thrown out that'll yeah. 100 get thrown out because as soon as you look at like the fact that there are so many like you could sue disney plus or this group could sue disney plus if they wanted to because they claim they you know they've got painting on it but they technically haven't yeah it's not a nice headache to have uh, even little legal things it just just does nag away at your head um hey have you read wrestletalk.com recently well, I mean, I check it almost uh, every half hour, you know, well, every every 20 minutes if I can. You and pretty much all the wrestling news consumers out there, we we are the, the third biggest wrestling news site in the world. People think we're just, I thought we were just a YouTube channel. <laughs> and, and Andy, who's the sort of editor-in-chief of yeah. WrestleTalk.com, he just, you know, we, we were talking about it last month and he's like, we're we're pretty big now, and we worked out how big it was. And we're like, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> we are awesome. Yeah. But because because of those numbers, and because he is an excellent human being, and a former host of Wrestle Talk, no less, Marty Skell did an interview with us uh, with Louis Dangor, Louis Danger Dangor. What a great WrestleTalk.com, yeah, and yeah, it was a really interesting interview. Uh, go, go over to WrestleTalk.com to check it out but it's got a few interesting tidbits in there. Yeah, so the first one is about All Elite Wrestling because, you know, there were reports that he could, once his ROH contract was up, that he was likely going to join All Elite Wrestling. And Marty talks about that as the quote says, I'm sure most expected me to go to AEW. And of course, Matt and Nick, the Young Bucks, are two of my best friends in the whole entire world. I love them and I love what they're doing. I'm very proud of them. When it comes to my decision, though, I, like them, had my own vision, my own dreams. And the opportunity to create a promotion in my own vision was something I always wanted and couldn't turn down. I have a great relationship with Tony cody and kenny and it's cool with it's cool that we're all doing our own things and making a splash in the wrestling world so that's in reference to when he signed or re-signed with ring of honor he was given essentially the keys to the kingdom they said it's almost your promotion now like you know he's the one who's building the ties back with new japan he's the one who is you know he put on that free show for everyone to come and attend to 
So he's doing he, you know, I think in the way that Marty's looking at this, it's it's his company now. Mm. And in the interview, he does name check a few people, you know, like ne next potential projects. And what struck me is that AEW, when they launched, they had, you know, the Young Bucks were of the, and Cody, because he did the indie scene extensively in the years after he left WWE, precluding setting up AEW. And they must know the American indie scene very, very well, because all of a sudden, here's Jungle Boy, here's Wardlow, here's MJ. I did. I, I'd never heard of any of these guys before AEW, and I, you know, I, I consider myself pretty looped in. But what Marty has is that connection and knowledge of the British wrestling scene. Oh yeah, which, as many people would have hopefully seen on Monday with No Fans Monday, it's bloody stacked. Yeah, it and really is. Do you know who do you, did you see who he name checked? I did indeed. Yeah, they were talking about like Louis asked him, you know, are there any people on the indie circuit that you'd like to, you know, pick up into ROH? And he name dropped one of my favorite tag teams in wrestling at the moment, Aussie Open, who are a. I mean, unfortunately, uh, Davis is injured at the moment, so Carl Fletcher is doing his own sort of like singles run. But when when Dunkzilla is back and those two reform, they're going to be. They were, you know, they're an incredible tag team. They were booked for the Ring of Honor UK tour last year and they were on royal quest you know you and i and uh you know we were talking with andy and Pete being like man i really hope new japan are paying attention because this is a team that can you can do so much with this team they're an, an incredible act yeah well that new japan ring of honor link is something obviously marley's working on but man i you know as aussie open you were a bigger fan than i was not that i wasn't a fan but i you know but Carl Fletcher has put on so much size because he was very lanky mm. uh, last year. And that's when I've seen him. Not that, you know, still far larger than us, but he was the tall guy. Seeing him on Monday in that incredible match against Connor Mills, the guy moves like a heavyweight now. Yeah. I don't, and... When Dunkzilla is probably going <laughs> to have got look small now by comparison. Because yeah, Fletcher and Mills beat the ever-loving f out of each other, and actually, we we were there for also his incredible singles match with Jordan Devlin at Super yeah. Strong Style last year, with one of my favorite finishes, like mm. whether the the big double headbutt spots. So yeah, like Kyle Fletcher's incredible, and yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm unsurprised that that Marty's almost got them, got him, you know, got them on his radar. Yeah, but uh, go over to WrestleTalk.com and check that out because it's a really interesting interview and we're, we're trying to do more. We're trying to, you know, now with the website growing, we want to do more in-depth stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, hey, Luke, it's yeah. Raiden's War. Hallelujah, it's a Raiden's War. Yep, even though, you know, coronavirus, oh, I've said the word now, it's, uh, you know, it's it's ruining a lot of things, it's cancelling a lot of shows, there were still shows on Wednesday, and therefore there were ratings, Um, but it's not as, you know, it, it's not really the same ratings war that it was a week ago or two weeks ago, this is a very different ratings war now, because NXT put on no matches, and, you know, they made it pretty clear early doors you know, prior, you know, to the show going out and when the show started, that there were going to be no matches. It was just video packages, essentially. And that did just over half a million viewers for 542,000 uh, to be exact, um, which is, you know, a big decline uh, from the previous weeks. But that's almost to be expected. AEW, on the other hand, did their live show and carried on as normal and had a big growth. They had a 21% bump 
uh, in their mm-hmm. ratings drawing 932,000 uh, because a lot of people last, they, the sort of speculation was last week, they lost a lot in that 18 to 49 demo because they were watching the news and watching Trump's announcements about the Steve Carino stuff. So with not so much that now in the background, people are still watching the news and watching you know daily updates on it. They were going back to wrestling. And so we saw this big 21% increase for AEW viewership and a 30 Five percent increase in the eighteen to forty-nine demographic. Yeah, the all important, the all important mm. demographics. Yeah, so uh, a big, big night for for AW and NXT. But you know, kind of as we talked about in the AEW review yesterday, there's it almost feels like ratings are immaterial at the moment. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course they are. But <laughs> I look. Th- if NXT put on an actual show in front of new fans, just like AEW did, the rating would have been higher. If yeah. we're looking at that, I, I know there's bigger things. And I, to, if, if you think, oh, well, Ollie's going too down there, so be it. I don't care. There, if, if you're looking at just the numbers, what, was the right, what, what will make the most interesting wrestling show that people want to tune into? AEW made a choice. And they they made the better choice. Yeah. I think it's quite transparent now that putting on that style of wrestling, a style of wrestling that NXT does very well, you, uh, you uh, you know, among the best in the world. Yeah, far, they're far more adept at that than Raw and SmackDown because they that, that's the that's their product. That's what the viewers expect, and it's a style that works a lot better without any fans in attendance. And apparently WWE was scrambling until the very last minute, like an hour before the show went live. They were still putting together some of those video packages, excellent video packages, but it wasn't any matches. And that seems to be because WWE just decided wrestling doesn't work without fans. Yeah. And then AEW come out and very, like quite emotionally proved that it does. And Cody says, People need entertainment. They need drama. They need tears. They need joy right now. And yeah, I think I know people are saying let's not look at this as a war because people don't want to think about such conflict during these trying times. But my mind does go there. And yeah. I think this is a quite clear victory for AEW and their approach. Yeah. The no. WWE made the same mistake three times. If we're looking at it from the quality of a wrestling product, they did the wrong thing on SmackDown. They did the wrong thing on Raw. And they did the wrong thing again on NXT. And they're, they're just reducing it bit by bit. You know, SmackDown had three, four matches. Raw had four minutes of actual on-air television. And, we, you know, people could say, like, well, the match was longer. They, you know, they wrestled in the commercial break. They likely didn't. The international broadcast of SmackDown showed that when the commercial break happened, they just stopped. And then, you know, just picked it back up sort of, you know, 10 seconds before they went back on air. So we got four minutes of wrestling on Raw. I'm just going to move my hand a bit more so people can actually see that on camera. Four minutes of wrestling. And then on NXT, you got no minutes of wrestling. So we got... <laughs> so I'd be so intrigued to see what happens with SmackDown tonight and whether we are going to see this pattern now where it's just like, it's just in-ring interviews and it's video packages and that's it. But, you know, they did say there's that report that they are doing this big taping schedule. So they are clearly going to do matches. Daniel Bryan and Nakamura, those two guys off the top of my head who could go. Sami Zayn there as well. There's loads of guys. I mean, Gable. WWE have got the greatest talent roster in the entire world. 
because they've spent the last five years hoovering up all the best talents in the world. They have the most stacked roster of any company, probably in the history of pro wrestling. They could quite easily put on amazing shows with no fans in attendance, but they have chosen not to. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you want to submit a question to the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our awesome pledge hammers on Patreon at any dollar amount and leave a comment in the community tab labeled mailbag. Do not email me. I will just lose it. This looks very different to the start of this show, but um, hey, you know, we'll just roll with it, hey? Let's do that. There's no edit for you. Let's do that. Uh, our first question comes in from Jonathan, the Headmaster Headman, who says, Good appropriate time of day, gentlemen. I figured equal time for a music band question. Ooh. Like, in my opinion, Faith No More's album, The Real Thing, is their best. To be fair, I haven't listened to the others lately and will do so shortly, and I only have up to album of the year. I wish I could get my hands on the UK only, the very best definitive Ultimate's greatest hits collection for those B-sides. Anyway, what is your favourite album and song? P.S. I also love The Perfect Crime from Bill and Ted's Burger's Journey, by, uh, but Falling to Pieces is probably my 
my favorite song from them, that or We Care A Lot? An excellent question, Jonathan Hedman. <laughs> so, so relevant to our times. Let, let's all just talk about Faith No More and how they are the greatest bands to grace this planet. I feel like you are Jonathan Hedman and you've, you've this is a long <laughs> call. You've been emailing him for years about wrestling stuff and now you're gonna turn it into Faith No More talk. Yeah, I mean, it's about time, really. So favorite album or song yeah, what, is what, the question. What's your favorite album and song? Or not just favorite Faith No More album. No, I mean, we could talk about specifically <laughs> that if you want. I, uh, I would say, I mean, it changes all the time, obviously. Favorite album ever, Pink Tom by Weezer. Uh, favorite favorite song is El Scorchio from Weezer. So I'll choose a different one, Life on Mars by David Bowie. Oh, what a wonderful, perfect, perfect choice. Uh, I am going to go with a Faith No More album. Uh, we're going to go with Angel Dust, which I do think is Faith No More's best output. But for favorite track, not one that is off uh, the Angel Dust album. Because I'm actually going to agree with Jonathan Hedman. Um, Falling to Pieces is uh, my favorite song. It's my favorite Faith No More song. But I suppose my favorite song ever is probably The Touch by Stan Bush <laughs> from the Transformers movie. It's, it's a perfect song. It's a good song. shout. It's a good great shout. shout. Uh, right, so what have we got next? Uh, this one comes in from Adam, who says, Hello, Wrestle Talkers and Wrestle Twerkers. Adam Nicholson here, longtime supporter, first time mailbagger. You may remember me from events such as Wrestling MediaCon, where you and some other Wrestle Talk lads did a wrestle thing. Ollie lost his snazzy jacket, then you did a fandango dance. Oh, and I believe there were some segues involved. Anyway, I digress. I wanted to ask if you would be so kind as to donate my Patreon to the Brit Rest Fund this month. I don't have lots of money and enjoy your content and love to support WrestleTalk every month. This month, would you be so kind as to take one of my month's contributions and deliver it to the performers and crew who put on such amazing events and, and deserve all our love and admiration. Lots of love from Adam in Manchester. And there's a picture of Adam. Ah, with us. With us. From, I remember you, yes. From Wrestling MediaCon. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, we'll, yeah, make a note of that and Absolutely. we'll add it to the pot. Indeed. Uh, that guy who wants to support, um, actually I'm gonna do a cut there. The next one comes in from Ket, who said, What's up, WrestleTalk? Do you prefer the Bard or Fence Steel Cage? To me, the Bard Cage looks like a children's playpen, while the Fence Steel Cage looks more believable. Thoughts? It's weird, isn't it? Because the, the thought of climbing the, me the mesh, I always think of it as the mesh cage, yes. as opposed to the fence cage, makes me recoil in horror. Yeah. But climbing that blue bar, oh! So easy, much fun, big easy. blue. I want to jump on it. <laughs> but what do I want to be thrown into more? Do I want to be thrown into the really solid, unforgiving bars mm -hmm. or the quite bendy, forgiving mesh? The soft mesh, or the cushiony mesh. Everyone knows. You could sleep on that mesh. <laughs> It's like the Elimination Chamber rubber floor. Yeah, as well. Like, it's Eve mattresses. Undertaker was trying, not the wrestling promotion. Yes. <laughs> Undertaker was actually trying to help McFoley go to sleep by chokeslamming him onto the mesh. It's just unfortunately the structure was a bit unstable and he ended up falling through it. Yeah. Uh, but which one do you prefer? For, I, I don't know. I mean, I've grown up on the mesh, to be honest. I think I prefer that one. Yeah, I kind of prefer it as well. But I do, it's not to discount the, the blue bar because I, it's really got a vibrant color to it and it just, it brings something new. I, but, you know, you can have both. Why don't you just call it something different, like a bar cage? I, I don't know. 
A bar cage? You can't call it a steel cage because no. they're both steel cages. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you differentiate the big blue? Call it big blue? No. <laughs> I challenge rubbish. you to a big blue match. Who in the big blue hell are you? <laughs> do you know what? I mean, I love the mesh cage, but do you know what would improve it? Painting it red. <laughs> Nate Simpson asks, uh, since the feed always changes his opponents, will there be a change to finally see a heel John Cena after he returns from whatever movie he is off to film? Well, let's think about The Fiend's opponents. So yes, Finn Balor. He has he gone to heel to NXT. Sent down to NXT. Uh, Daniel Bryan, he didn't change. But he went more heelish than he was prior to uh, going up against The Fiend. Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> he was uh, he was full on eco heel. Yeah, and then up he was until pure... the end of August. Yeah, and then he was pure babyface. No, he was not pure babyface. He was he was tweener babyface. Bear in mind, this is this is all a, a fan theory. That, yes, and if you face the fiend or you have a feud with the fiend, you turn heel because Rollins also turned heel. Miz also turned heel. Uh, Goldberg turned heel on the fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe there is some weight to this. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, uh, yeah, like the the incidental people like Jerry Lawler or Mick Foley. Yeah. Kane that he take out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think those people, they weren't feuds. They were just, I'm going to finger your mouth for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> It's literally what happened. It is what it's happened. Literally what happened. Um, Micah says, "Hello, Wrestle Talk crew. A new Patreon here, but oh, a fan since it was just Ollie and Adam was on another channel. And it's great to see how the channel has grown. My question is, what's your favourite wrestling urban legend? For example, mine is how Vince McMahon has fired people for sneezing in front of him. It's utterly ridiculous. What's yours? Well, you go first because you, you you're a fountain of urban legends Ooh, for yeah. wrestling." I don't know, but all the ones that I know are all the dirty ones that we can't really talk about well, on you, this show. You can you can talk about the the poop one. The poop one? The Vince McMahon poop. <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, for a second I thought you meant the uh, the one two three poop one, where it's like I don't know who pooped in Mark Henry sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not an urban legend though, is it? Because someone has said this is a story mm. that happened. The story goes that Jr. once farted in a car. And it smelt so bad that it made Gerald Briscoe throw up. Vince McMahon found this story to oh, be the funniest God. thing he's ever heard, so spent the entire day trying to fart in front of Jerry Briscoe so he would then throw up again, but tried so hard that he crapped his pants and then had to go out and do a segment. Also, Jerry Briscoe didn't throw up. He's, he's the head of the company. <laughs> he's a billionaire. So I, I, had a, I didn't do that, but, you know... A week ago, I had to dress up as AJ Lee in the short denim hot pants mm -hmm. and the crop top and dance around Stratford, yeah. which is where we're based. And I, I did have a moment where I thought, I'm everyone's bosses <laughs> uh, and I'm doing this. Yeah. I don't think Vince ever had that thought. I didn't mm. think he ever thought, ah, crap my pants, pal. Yeah. It's like, you know, puke, yeah. puke, puke. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure if that counts as an urban legend. All, as I said, all the urban legends I know, because there's a fantastic, you can still find it. Raven and the Honky Tonk Man go through that like hundred point list of like wrestling's greatest urban legends. But all of them are too filthy for this show that we cannot talk about, I'm afraid. Uh, Flame Inc. Live said, the Saudi Prince learns about New Japan, AEW and WrestleTalk and forces the boys at WrestleTalk to book him a five-match show with WWE. Uh, what five interbrand matches would you have? 
Well, first off, obligatory, we would not uh, engage in uh, business relationships with that country for anything under two million, I would say. Oh, I'd have gone way You're higher. You're gonna go higher. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Tyson Fury made like millions upon millions for that one match. Tyson Fury is literally four of us. <laughs> and there are four of That's us. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe we should. We're, we're, we're selling ourselves short here. Completely. Uh, so inter-brand matches yeah. essentially between all the companies. Can I, can I pick people who aren't currently active? Because there's been well, some Twitter activity recently between CM Punk and Will Ospreay. Yeah, absolutely. I'd very much like that match. I would like that match. I mean, uh, Flaming Live is not because he's got the, the Fiend versus Shibata. Wow. I mean, I don't think that match would work. Yeah. And he's also got Omega versus Ziggler, which I find to be a very, like, if you're going to have, like, Kenny Omega on your show in an interbrand match against anyone in WWE, probably the last person I'm picking is Dolph Ziggler. Unless it's a hair straightening match. <laughs> because I know who's going to win. It's going to be Dolph. Yeah. He looks beautiful, oh, beautiful with straightened hair. Oh, it's gorgeous. But, the, you know, it's wavy. Kenny's got curly hair. Mm -hmm. Oh, Dolph Ziggler's hair straightened. Beautiful. I'm taking you off track, though. We need to book matches here. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the obvious one is Daniel Bryan Okada. I just think of those two wrestling. That would be insane. John Cena Tanahashi. Yes. Uh, Samoa Joe versus... Ishii. There it is. That's oh. the one, mate. That's the one. Suzuki Vert. They're just coming to me now. I'm like a, I'm like a conduit for, <laughs> for ridiculous wrestling matches. Suzuki versus Orange Cassidy. It's the match that's not going to be able to happen. I know, right? Yeah, but that is one the match. That is the match you want to do right there. Um, yeah. God, would you want to do one more? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Um, Marcel has got in touch to hey say, Hey Marcel. Hey guys, greetings from my social isolation. Hope you're doing just fine. Uh, this mail is more of a comment than a question. I just wanted to say that I don't want Drew McIntyre to win the title from Brock at WrestleMania anymore. Hmm. Don't get me wrong, I was all for a Drew mega push, but that all stopped when he killed the pet rat of Rowan on live TV. No matter how ugly or whatever pet it is, that's the most heelish thing you can do. And now Drew is ruined as a baby face for me. What a stupid decision. I think that's an extreme interpretation of events because if people were invested in that obviously fake animatronic spider, then I would agree with you. But the whole point was that they weren't and it became a symbol of WWE's really crappy booking. So Drew wasn't killing a real-life pet of someone. He was killing this thing that no one believed in. I'm not saying that doesn't work, because, like, Jericho and Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, they got over a goddamn potted plant. Yeah. When Jericho smashed Mitch, <laughs> I had genuine feels. Yeah. I didn't feel that way about the spider. No, and that's it. it. It was essentially, that was a representation of bad booking. So to have Drew go out to be the guy that did it was such a smart call to have it be mega babyface Drew McIntyre. 
but it is like I, I was just being very facetious when I was talking about it. I was like, in the kayfabe world, he did kill someone's pet, which is you know it's a pretty awful thing to yeah, do. But yeah. in the sort of the wider context, I think it's quite clear what they were aiming for. Uh, Kieran Ryan, uh, dear Luke and Ollie, first email and all fellow scousers like Luke himself. Do you not think they should have some actual wrestlers for a crowd at WrestleMania? Be better than having them do the battle royal, and will at least add the, to the hype and the atmosphere. So he was talking about wrestlers being around the ring. Yeah, well, we saw on AEW that can work. It's just whether that's um, practical. Uh, one of the reasons WWE have said that they're going to shoot WrestleMania from multiple locations over multiple nights is so you can segment people and crew off into their little own isolation pods, really. Yeah, that way you can still have your 16-match cards. Oh, my God. But, you know, maybe it'll just be two nights of eight rather than, or maybe they'll do two nights of 16, mm. who knows. Uh, Joe says, hey boys, uh, just a question for you all. What blockbuster movie that came out in your lifetime have you not seen? For me, the answer is Titanic. Anywho, have a great day. Much love from Canada, who definitely use Fahrenheit as uh, their measurement of temperature. Uh, oh, blockbuster, I've seen all the movies. <laughs> so I, I can't. <laughs> I've actually seen every movie. I've seen all the movies. <laughs> Uh, Titanic's a weird one, though. Yeah. You should have seen that, just for the zeitgeist. Yeah, I went to the pictures to go see that movie. Uh, I haven't seen 1917 yet. No, I haven't seen that. Um, I mean, I'm going to go out on uh, the record here. Um, I've not seen any Fast and Furious movie past Too Fast, Too Furious. I've not even seen Tokyo Drift, mate. You've got to get through two more movies, and then they get really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Oh, you, you, you've got to watch 80 episodes and then somewhere at the end of season three, it gets yeah. all right. Yeah, that, the first series of The Wire is really rubbish, but if you manage it's to get not. through it... I'm just saying that's what has been told to me. It's the first series is amazing. Um, I got dibs. Uh, with Mania 36 in the lurch, why not combine SummerSlam and WrestleMania to make Summer Mania? Keep up the adequately, adequ adequately adequate work. Love you guys. Stay safe. Not, not WrestleSlam. <laughs> no, apparently not, unfortunately. Someone did suggest you could call it Summerfest. Yes, very good. <laughs> finally, finally pay off that Jeremy <laughs> Piven botch. I think, in terms of branding, you don't want to rename these events. SummerSlam and WrestleMania kind of sell themselves. They are like having a wrestler that's super over. You can sell WrestleMania based on the strength of the name. That is a, an, an incredible feat of, you know, decades of building up a brand. Well done, WWE. So, no, I don't think it's a good idea to merge the names. And I also don't think it's a good idea to merge the events. Well, that actually leads us into Matt Field's question, who says, just want to say well done for the No Fans Monday show. Some great wrestling and great comedy from you boys. Thinking of you, Chopper Pete and Luca. Next door hurts. Thanks, Callum. Uh, my question is, with WrestleMania most likely happening in the Performance Center, losing that massive spectacle and taking away people from WrestleMania moments, if Steve does decide to leave us alone by summer's time, should they turn SummerSlam into WrestleMania and have it in a stadium, amazing stage and set with the amazing entrances for wrestlers, with the massive WrestleMania-type crowd. Thank you for your hard work. I think as soon as you are able to, and society's back to a point where you can, you put on WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And that's your big homecoming. You don't do it with a roar or this. You go, boom. Well, actually, but you need... But it might have to be Madison Square Garden. You oh, do it in Madison Square Garden. Where it all began. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Andrew Bayless, this is a really interesting question. I phased out of watching in, uh, phased out of watching, try that again to put my teeth back in. Um, I phased out watching wrestling in 2007 and only started watching again in early 2016, partly because of WrestleTalk. During that time in the wrestling wilderness, I obviously missed a lot, so didn't understand the huge popularity of wrestlers like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. I'd missed all their best moments. My question is, are there any wrestlers that got big while you checked out of wrestling and you cannot understand the appeal of? Oh, that's a great question. I wasn't out of wrestling long enough, I would say, to sort of completely skip a few guys' whole early career thing. Um, but I remember when I first got back into wrestling after the hiatus, because every fan has a hiatus. When you jump from teenage years, you have like a break of two to four years yep. when you just do other things and then you come back to it. Um, if you may, if you stay an adult fan. Uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero, I'm ashamed to say. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, I remember being told that he passed away. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a real shame. And my mate, Pollard, was like, no, he's the biggest wrestler in the country. I was like, what? Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Because like, you know, when I was watching it, he was mid-card at best. Mamacita. Not in his talent, but just the way he was presented and pushed. I didn't know what any of those words meant, by the way, <laughs> when I was when I was experiencing that situation. But yeah, I have since gone back and rewatched everything and the guy's incredible. I've got two that jump out in mind for me. Uh, the first one's the JBL character because I'd stopped watching mm. um, after Hogan won the title in 2002. That's when I that's when I checked down. I didn't get back until 2004, so I missed JBL as like SmackDown's longest running champion. So like JBL going to the Hall of Fame, and I was like, oh my god, what an all-time great heel. I I've watched it back, and I'm like, it's fine, like it's okay. Um, but the other one is the Doctor of Thugonomics. Mm. Like I, a friend of mine who was still watching wrestling at the time said like, oh, you've got to say out this guy, John Cena, he's, he's so funny. And I watched a clip of it and I was like, yeah, and this is why I don't watch wrestling anymore. Wow. And then I've since gone back and watched it and I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't really like this character. I didn't like, I only started liking Cena when he won the belts and became a different character. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even like that bit. I only started liking John Cena in about 2016. Yeah, I mean, I quickly turned off Cena. Like mm. after a few months, I'm like, oh no, you." Technically, are still the same character. <laughs> I don't really want you as champion. Um, what have we got next? Uh, oh, this comes in from Jeffrey, who says, um, "Just a remark, me. It's just a remark, really. I feel one way in which the Undertaker AJ feud works, particularly with him being biker American badass Taker, is at least to me it feels similar to the OC." I see what you mean because Gallows and Anderson do feel a bit leathery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> got the leather jackets. Yeah, and the leather pants. Yeah, the, there is a, definitely a biker look to them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's enough to build a feud over. If anything, you would think that would mean he would be joining them. Uh, Dwayne Cooley says, "Hello, Luke and Ollie, or whoever's hosting this week. I sent a few. I sent a question a few weeks ago about AEW being around about eight years ago, and who could jump ship when top name contracts mm, expired? Great question. And other promotions WWE around like TNA, blah 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 blah. Just kidding. I meant." CM Punk, because he would have left in 2014, and if AEW was a company then, he could have just jumped straight across. Oh my god, yeah. Punk's exit from WWE would have brought him to AEW at least in 2015, once he spent a year away from wrestling. It's a bit of a question mark, obviously we don't know. Yeah. He, might, he was so burned out in wrestling, he might not have wanted to go back. And injured. Yeah. I, I think he would have, even if AEW was a very viable competitor to WWE, I think he would have... He seems like quite a stubborn guy. 
where he would have just gone, nope, I'm done with wrestling now. And he wanted to do MMA as well. Yeah. Uh, and Dwayne does clarify here, it's like, granted, they would have to give him a very concrete offer, not meeting him face to face at a coffee shop with a money deal and details on what he would be doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jonathan says, hello, WrestleTalk crew. I hope you are well and staying safe in this excellent and in excellent health. I was watching NXT and I remembered how the Gargano Champa final chapter seemed to be cursed. And I had to laugh because this time it can't happen again because of Steve Carino. Guess what I'm saying it is, it's their fault for the mess we're in. Obviously, I'm kidding. Just want to say something ludicrous to brighten the day. Ludicrously achieved. Yes, we were actually yeah. joking about that um, on No Fans Monday. We were like, oh my God, I cannot believe Champa Gargano is not going to happen again. It's it's insane, the, the bad luck. It's like, um, it's like Samoa Joe trying to have a WrestleMania match. <laughs> Uh, and lastly from Marcus, hello WrestleTalk. Have any of you guys seen Dark Side of the Ring? A, what did you think about the show? B, what season two episodes are you most fascinated in seeing? And C, what topics do you think they should cover in season three? I haven't seen it. Well, actually, no, I've seen the Bruiser Brody one. Oh, which yeah, I thought was very good. Very good. So, yeah. so good. Yeah, like the archive that they've got mm. for that show is amazing. The interviews are amazing. It's quite the, shocking. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, the Fabulous Mueller episode's really interesting. It's a really balanced take on sort of the, the Mueller controversy. The, um, the Montreal Screwjob episode's very good. The Randy Elizabeth episode is, no, I didn't really expect that sort of story to be told in this sort of like, you know, the untold stories. Um, but I did kind of like sigh a little bit when um, uh, Hulk's ex-wife showed up and I'm like, oh, of course you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for a payday for you. Um, season two, they have got a stacked, like they have gone hell for leather in series two. Because you've got Benoit, you've got Owen Hart, you've got the Jimmy Snucker thing. Wow. Like you are, you're doing some. Those are heavy hitters. Exactly. And I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, I don't know what they're going to do for season three now <laughs> because they're spunking their whole load on this second season. Steroid trial, maybe. That's a great one, actually. Yeah, the mm. steroid trial. Screw job again. <laughs> With a few more years perspective, yeah, yeah. we can just have Jim Connor and Vince Russo argue about it again. I, I would, if you're going to watch one episode, it's, it's, I don't think you learn much new about it, but it is worth watching for the intercuts between Jim Cornette telling a story and Vince Russo cutting a story. Because it would just be Jim Cornette saying like, here's what I said at that party, you know, when it was just me, Vince, and Vince Russo. And I told him about this historical event of the double cross. It comes to Vince Russo going like, I must have been in the bathroom, I never remember him telling that story. I just remember saying, we could double cross him. <laughs> Well, bro, <laughs> that's all we've got time for today. But thank you, everyone, ever so much for getting in touch on the Patreon mailbags. Uh, at, at this time, more than ever, we really appreciate your support. So if you go over to Patreon, check out those exclusive little tiers that give you content like Wrestle Talk Extra, which we're recording next week. Exactly, yeah. Bonus podcast where we dive into old pay-per-views for like three to four hours. Particularly, it's over four hours if it's a WrestleMania. And it is a WrestleMania this month. It's going to be WrestleMania 26 for the month of uh, March. And yeah, there's a lot to talk about with that one because you get Bret Hart versus Vince, which was went down swimmingly. So have you found your first day working from your studio apartments? It's uh, it's been it's been what's the word? So I didn't uh, factor in the effects of the sun.
Yes. <laughs> right. So I have turned my entire living room into and kitchen because it's the same thing into a, a green screen setup, which consists of a how big would I say that is? Probably a seven foot by nine foot rail with a green screen dangling from it. Two very space occupying lights to light the green screen. I then stand in front of all that and another very tall, much brighter light lights me. And then there's the camera. All of these things are attached to tripods, which which take up a lot of floor space uh, on the ground. And it turned the living room into a bit of an assault course. Yeah. Um, it's stuff has nearly been knocked over already. It's <laughs> tense. And I recorded the news this morning around half 10. That was fine. Um, it got it, you know, as fine as it could be. But then the Matt Hardy uh, podcast interview with Chris Jericho dropped. So we were like, okay, we need to make as much content at the moment as possible. Let's make a, a video on that as well. Pete wrote it up for me. I rewrote a few bits. And then I recorded that in the same way. It's later in the day at that point, And I watched back the rushes. And it was like the old days when we were in that little the red room studio when the sun would come out and it would blow up the exposure on the camera. So it looks like the slowest nuclear blast ever <laughs> is going on. It feels appropriate for right now as I'm recording stuff. And I just, it's been a stressful time. And that yeah. nearly broke me. I said to the editor, I was like, can you make it work? And he was like, mm, here's what it looks like. And he sent me a picture. I was like, that's good enough. <laughs> because <laughs> if I have to re-record that, I'm going to cry. Oh, I'm actually going to cry. Oh, man. Not fun at but, all. Uh, I think that should be our new slogan for the meantime. Not consistent yeah. consistency. It's good enough. <laughs> It's um, I mean, it's been a fun little um, I mean, I, I'm not going to say fun because that's definitely the wrong word because you've definitely been so stressed. But when we were talking about how this whole working from home situation was going to work, you were on the it's all about productivity. It's all about mm. having, you know, mm. times to do things. So we had a meeting scheduled for uh, 10 and, you know, we had this meeting scheduled for 10. We had a lunchtime game set for one. We had a meeting set for four. You and I were set to do this at three. And none of those have happened at the times they said they were going to do. No, no, no. And I don't know if you remember last week, I was quite excited because I thought I saw silver linings there. I was like, well, you know, working from home, that's something we've never tried before. Apparently it makes people happier. That sounds good. So let's get all the infrastructure in place. It'll be like an epic spring clean for all the ways we do things. We've, we, I don't know about you, but we, we do all a sort of internal communication on Discord and it, it got quite confusing. So Pete cleared it all up and he's made it all neat and nice for us. That makes me feel good, right? Mm -hmm. Make you feel good? It makes me feel great. But then I, um, and I spent all last weekend reading various books on how we can all make this work. And it wasn't until Tuesday where I realized that was a coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually terrified, but my mind was just like, read, <laughs> read and plan. Uh, but no, 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 no. It's, it's from deep sourced anxiety. <laughs> That's fun. How, how's, how's it for you? 
it's been okay um i mean i've I've done the work that i was supposed to have got done today um my brilliant wife who's also you know working from home as many people are currently in fact i think most of the country are um has brought me in cups of tea she's a brilliant glass of water we're making we're and like we've said starting monday we're gonna both get up at the same time we're both gonna do morning stretches and like maybe a bit of yoga and then we'll and we'll have breakfast together and mm. then we'll go off into our own respective pods and we'll do our day's work, but we'll also have lunch together. And then we'll try and finish around the same time and we'll just sit down and we'll have a nice bit of dinner together. So that's actually been quite lovely. You know, I've been really, really enjoying that. Um, and yeah, the work from home thing is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm very disciplined when I work from home anyway. So I've just been just been cracking on with things, mate. Cracking on. Yeah. When I mean, does it stop, Luke? <laughs> when? <laughs> You've when got does to the treat masturbation like, stop? You've got to treat it like a reward. <laughs> you make a few calls, you have a wank. I think um, we should we should have a new segment, right? Where people, because everyone's in the same boat. What, what what wrestle talk get better? Is there ever a better time for this? Right. Let's all learn a skill. <laughs> it can be as useless as you like. We were talking about this in the car yesterday when yeah, I was driving yeah. back to your flat. I'm going to take up baking. I'm going to actually finally learn how to do baking because I've, I don't know how to do it. So that is what I'm going to use with my time. If we've got the resources here, because you know we've only got certain, we've only got a certain amount of a finite amount of food in the cupboards. I don't want to spunk it all up by making crab <laughs> cakes. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn to bake in this time. What are you going to do? Well, I, I was already making bread, making sourdough stuff anyway. Um, maybe I'll just knuckle down into that more. Mm. Uh, yeah. Watch that episode of Chef, man. That'll get yeah. you that'll get your sourdough uh tingles buzzing. And then I can sell that bread for a ridiculous markup to all the hungry people that are, are amassing outside of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, I suppose I should bet let you get on with the rest of your day. This is so weird because I really mm. do feel like I'm taking up your time now um, because, you know, I've got things to do. In fact, actually, although we're going to be speaking again in 35 minutes to play uh, a game with Adam. Yeah. Um, so one one of the things to keep us all sane <laughs> is uh, I, I have instilled an enforced fun policy. So an hour a day, n- not the lunch break. This is separate to lunch break. Yeah. Me, Luke, Adam, Andy, Pete, Laurie, uh, we all get on a call together and we're going to play a game. Yeah. And Adam's leading this one because he's a bit of a board game parlor game maestro. He's he's in touch with all of us to do, I think they're different things. I was going to say, I'm not going to say what mine was mm. because Blomps specifically told us not to. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to say quite on that one, but I'm very intrigued as to, to how this game's going to play because... Uh, my wife, her job has also had an enforced fun thing. That uh, their, their early morning meeting. Oh yeah, you missed this from our, our early morning meeting that we had because you were about half an hour late to it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> when does it stop, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, they're having these, you know, this sort of quiz. But it actually caused arguments. It was like it, it didn't actually create fun because. Oh no. Although it's very simple, multiple choice answers and just write down the answer you think it is, it just caused arguments because people didn't understand the format and it wasted 45 minutes of people just explaining it over and over again. Things like that. 
that makes me think that the quiz isn't the problem. Just based on my <laughs> own self-reflection. Yeah. Maybe they're anxious about something else and it's I mean, bubbling up in a different way. I've been telling my wife about how like we are all about working smarter, not harder. And you know, we mm. have like we've reformatted Discord, we've reformatted our to-doist. We now got like a business to-doist. And then I'm talking to my wife about this. She was like, Yeah, we have one WhatsApp group. And she looked at it, there were 135 <laughs> unread messages. Because, it. because it's not just here's work things that need to be done. It's like, here's a funny meme I've seen. Oh, it's no. questions about other things. So when my wife gets like a business thing that she needs to attend to, she's got to scroll. She's got to scroll through the chat to find out where the question's asked. That's, I don't that's, even want to hear this. This is making <laughs> me anxious. It's no good. It's a terrible format. Um, so just, I, I think what we should do also to keep everyone sane, we should recommend something. Mm. I, of course, No Rolls Bar. Everyone go and watch No Rolls Bar. It's the big go home episode on Sunday. Um, you can watch that now on Patreon. But my thing is, I watched Long Shot um, two nights oh, ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. I really good. enjoyed it. Really it's enjoyed it. Yeah, Charlie's mm -hmm. Theron's amazing in that, and Seth Rogen's very well. good. But uh, my standout is June Diane Rayfield, who plays um, uh, Charlie's Theron's like assistant. She's excellent, as is her assistant, sort yeah. of black man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good stuff. Um, and because I'm, I'm massively into it at the moment, Chef, the the Chef show with the John Favreau uh, cookery show, which is really, really good on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> and we've been rewatching. Uh, Grand designed the street. You see that it was a couple okay. Of years ago. Yeah, it's basically didn't where... that massively fail as a social experiment? Did it really? I, I mean, I, I thought really like they all had to get sold off. I can't remember. Maybe I'm making that Ooh, up. Maybe I'll read into that because I've been very enjoying watching people build houses. That's love. That's so. It's so satisfying watching people build houses. Mm. And mm. do you want to hear what Laurie Blake's up to? He oh, messaged yeah. this privately this morning. Um, we're discussing Transformers too much. I started reading the IDW comics from the start, and I'm now seriously looking into buying multiple figures. <laughs> oh, that's another segment. What's the most ridiculous thing you've ordered from Amazon in self-isolation? <laughs> Right, well, let's uh, bring it to a close there. Do get your emails in, luke at wrestletalk.com, as always, because, folks, these podcasts are not going anywhere. The audio quality may have changed, but the consistency will remain. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back. Actually, we're thinking it's going to be me and you tomorrow for SmackDown, if it's a show worth talking about. Um, yeah. and, but there will also be another uh, episode from the WrestleTalk archives, uh, the WrestleTalk Extra archives that have been previously behind the Patreon paywall that are going up on Monday. Uh, I don't know what episode it's going to be yet. So I'm just mm. decided which one it is. I'm going to look into the archives. Maybe it'll be December to Dismember uh, as a, a fun one to release. People really like that Not one. Not a Mania one? Oh, maybe it could be a Mania. Obviously, I was, yeah. We did 25, haven't we? We've done 25. I've, X7, I think, has already been released into the free feed previously. Um, 25 might be a good shout. We're doing yeah. 26 next week. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe I'll do 25 then. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, if you are a, want to become a Patreon backer, we're going to be reviewing WrestleMania 26 uh, very, very soon in this sort of format, away from each other. But until then, take care. I love you. Goodbye. I also feel like I'm saying goodbye to you because I'm about to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, see you in a minute. <laughs> in a bit.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.